Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the first Sunday of Lent for the week of March 1st, 2020, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to take in this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we are entering Lent. It's an interesting time of year. I feel like it's this time of self-reflection. It's this time of really being able to do a lot of thinking about and reflecting upon our own lives and how is that working within our own faith lives and how does this all work together. And it's kind of a weird time to be excited about something, but it's also, I think, such a good thing, especially in a world that we are in this world of go, 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 that it's nice to have a time where at least in one place within our own faith life that we're focusing in on what are things that we're doing well? What are things that we need continued work on and contemplating and thinking about those? And I think it's one of these places, one of these times that it gets to be a holy space. And because we don't get to do this very often, because we don't have all this time to contemplate and discuss and to think about our own faith consistently. And it's kind of sad that that's the way that things are, but it's also in a way a breath of fresh air as we are entering into the springtime, as we are entering into this season before we get the resurrection and the celebration that comes with that of self-reflection and thinking about whose we are and what that meant to get to that point. So before we jump into this week's podcast, we have to look back at last week's Twitter question. The Twitter question last week was, what are we moving toward? This can be as an individual or as a collective group. And the responses I got were quite interesting, and I would agree 100% with them. And that we can see this especially in children. We can see how they continue to grow and mature as a person as they move forward in life. And I think it's then the question gets offered up or should be asked of, are we doing that within our own faith life? Are we doing that within our own individual faith life or as a community faith life? And what does it take for us to be able to have something like that? If you think about it, within our own lives, we are so incentive-oriented. We are chasing after these different things. And yet it feels like at times we fall flat with our faith, that we get to the spot where we suddenly get satisfied for whatever reason, and thus we don't move forward. And I think that's something as a community And as individuals, we need to continue to work on. I know for myself, there's plenty of ways that I feel that there are plenty of things that I can do to continue to build my own faith. And I know that's not something that's unique. I know that's something from talking to people that we all are in this collective boat together. It's how do we inspire each other to then move forward? And I think it's actually an interesting question to have leading into Lent, into this time of self-reflection, into this time of thinking about and how do I tie and bring all this stuff together. And I think it's a really important thing to be thinking about. So with that being said, let's just jump right into it. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 11. This is Matthew's version of the temptation. Every year, 
first Sunday of Lent, you're going to get the temptation story. So Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness and is tempted by the devil. He fasts for 40 days and 40 nights and is famished. So first, the tempter comes to him and says, If you are the Son of Man, command these stones to become loaves of bread. He answers them, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the living God, is what Jesus responds. Devil takes him to a holy city and places him at the pinnacle. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus responds, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And the devil then once more brings him to the high mountain to see all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. All these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus essentially says, get away from me, for I am to worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the key verse kind of coming here. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him, him being Jesus. So this interesting thing, especially that we're seeing where Satan, or the devil in this case, is twisting scripture, pulling it out of context, and I think it's also an important thing for us to remember of how we need to remember the gospel as a whole, but remembering that certain verses being pulled out of context can be extremely dangerous. But I also point to, it's talking about if you are the son of God, then do this. If you are the son of God, in a way questioning who Jesus is, questioning and bringing that forth to Jesus. And yet the responses that we get from Jesus is from knowledge and understanding of who God is. And knowing scripture, I think, is another and very important part of this but also getting to the point where that's enough, Satan. I knows who and whose I am. And that's when the angels come to him. A really interesting reading, a really deep reading to get into right away at the beginning. And I think this week, it is a bit of a deeper week. And we'll kind of continue that theme with the first reading. The first reading is out of Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, and chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. This is the story of the fall of Adam and Eve, that they're in the garden. They can eat from anywhere except for this tree in the middle of the garden. A serpent comes to Eve, convinces her to eat the fruit. She then convinces Adam to eat the fruit. And then God comes to them. And they are afraid of God, for they are naked. And God questions, how is this the case? And they get into this discussion of who forced who to eat this and goes into it that way. I think very importantly, I think it's important to bring up that I don't think it's important to focus on that Eve caused the fall. I think that's a really dated reference. I think at this point, we really need to see them as people, a group of people, and that how one person can influence another. And especially when we're contrasting this with the gospel text, we are have a moment here of the humanity forgetting who we are and whose we are. 
Because if we are created in the image of God, which we have been talked about if you look earlier in Genesis 2, if we are created in the image of God, then why would we be wondering about good and evil? We would already know that. It's this moment, this lapse within our own human nature that then we forget who we are and whose we are that causes all this problem to begin with. The idea that humankind does not understand what a gift we were given with being created in the image of God and that the spirit that then was within us from the beginning was of God and we lost sight of that right away at the beginning. The psalm this week is Psalm 32. And again, this is a forgiveness psalm. This is going into how we are washed clean, but we have to give these confessions to God. It's being willing and able to humble ourselves, to understand we're not perfect, to understand that we're not God, to understand that we then need to be open with God to be able to discuss and talk about these different things that are holding us back, that are bringing us down, and discuss them with God and how happy God is when we actually do that. The second reading this week is from Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. And this is Paul's kind of interpretation of all this, of what happened here, that sin has been, unfortunately, a part of our human nature, and that this was not coming from verse 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass, that this gift that we were given in being created in the image of God doesn't give us permission to just sin. Just because that it's been paid and atoned for doesn't mean that we should just continue to move on with this old lifestyle, that it's through the death of Christ that we are transformed. It's through that understanding that we are transformed and it moves us in a new direction, making us new people of God and informing us into the people of who God created us to be. But before we get into how this ties to faith and science, I have to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis. And especially this last week, listening to the Sermon Brainwaves, hearing four different seminary professors discussing this was really helpful. And if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend recommend it. My second shameless plug is, if you haven't checked out God Friend of Me, I'd highly recommend it. I would argue it's one of the best things on television. It shows how God works through people and how our interactions in our day-to-day lives is God working through people to help reveal himself to us, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. It's a really great show, and so if you haven't checked out God Friend of Me on CBS, I'd highly recommend it. Temptation, sin, the fall, not exactly an easy discussion to get into on a week. And again, it's a discussion that we've had before. 
But as I was going through this and thinking about this this time, what really struck me in this is the decision point. That if you really think about it, every time that we are having this point that is separating us from God, it's a decision that we make. It's us forgetting the free gift of being created in God's image. And what does that actually mean getting out of the second reading from Paul's letter to the Romans? Also, us forgetting being created in the image of God, you could also reference back to the first reading in Genesis. And I think an easy example of thinking about this is sustainability. Why is sustainability such a thing that we are striving for within our world, are striving for within business, that we're just striving for within humanity because it makes sense. But yet, the human experience struggles with this vitally. We really struggle with the idea of sustainability. One of the things that I distinctly remember learning in college when I was going through as a biology student was how there are different practices for logging and how there's different techniques like making sure that you can do it in a way that it's going to allow the forest to be able to come back quicker compared to a clear cut, just stripping the place down to the stumps and just leaving that behind. Can you do more of a thinning than a clear cut? Cats where you're having an area is cut in the strips or you're thinning out the forest compared to cutting it all the way down to the stumps in a clear cut. And the reason being is that it allows for diversity within the forest ecosystem. It allows the possibility and helps bring back that forest a little bit quicker. Plus now that you have multiple ages within your forest to help make it a healthier forest long term. But yet that's something we really wrestle with. How often do we really see our own areas within development that we're purposely leaving natural elements, not designing a natural element, but purposely leaving a natural element there because this is what's going to be best for the ecosystem? We love extracting as much as we can out of something because at the end of the line, the economics of it, the bottom line, dictate that. We like squeezing every dollar out of it that we possibly can. But yet in that same vision, how often that's a short-sighted vision. It's a short-sighted vision to be able to see and to recognize that if I squeeze everything that I can out of it today, there will be nothing left for tomorrow. It's an uphill battle that I know as a conservationalist that my tendency is toward that feels like it's a constant uphill battle to be able to discuss this. Because that's apparently not how business works. But yet, when I sit there and watch things disappear and then wonder why is this not working anymore, people questioning it, it's one of those things of if we had done this sustainably, this would not be a problem. It's a balancing act. It's a balancing act of understanding that our free will of extracting and having as much as we possibly can today isn't necessarily always best. 
And isn't that what Christ is getting at himself? That sometimes our own desire, like we saw with Adam and Eve, that both of them were just as guilty as the other one, that they both fell for this trick. The desires within their own heart and their own passions got in the way of what God had desired for them. How often do we cut ourselves short in that same regard because of that? In a way, this gets back to ethics. And it's one of the things that we've talked about on this podcast multiple times before, of how science is going through and trying to make sure that there is a consistent ethic within our science communities. That we're holding ourselves to a specific standard, realizing that if you take the shortcut now, it might end up costing you later. I distinctly remember in college, I was probably either a junior or senior, and we had been talked about forgery and how you can't forge or take other people's work and take credit for it. That's a major no-no within the scientific community. You reference, you let people know where you're getting your data. That's why I put my references every week from the podcast out. Because that's me trying to pay homage to the scientific side of myself. That I have to let you know where this is coming from. And I distinctly remember that there was some freshmen when I was an upperclassman who did this. And it was a major thing at our school. It was a major thing within the science department that they were going to give them one more chance because they were freshmen, because they were just learning about all this. But they were essentially laying down the law that if this happened again, they were going to not only be discredited probably within the scientific community and probably never be able to get a scientific degree, but they were going to be kicked out of school. This is not what you do in academic work. We ourselves do that at times with our own faith. We cut ourselves short by taking the short way, taking this, or not challenging ourselves to continue to grow so that when something comes up that questions our own morals, faith, foundations, that at times we crumble. And it gets into a lot of self-reflection and a lot of deep questions. And in a way, that's one of the things that gets difficult with this and how to be able to talk about this With science, the closest thing I can really get to is ethics. The ethics that we're supposed to have as a scientist and trying to be as honest and fair. And this is what the data presented me with. And this is how I can interpret this data. And from the other pieces of data that other people have and combining that with the data I have here, this is what I can suggest. And as a group, as a community, we have decided that this is the ethic that we need to take. We need to be honest. We need to be fair. No one likes a cheat. No one likes finding out that someone took an extreme shortcut that was at the cost of others. And yet... It, in a way, goes in the face of business and building, and it's whatever it takes to get to the top. We get told in this world in which we're in, you just have to go, go, go. And yet, within our own scientific community, I hope and I pray that we have the ethic to be able to sit there and say, I have to do it this way. I can't assume this. I can't make up 
data. Because you'll be disowned. Because you will be found out at some point and discredited. We understood that we did not deserve within our own faith what happened. We deserved to be disowned. We forgot who we were working for, whose we were. We forgot all of that in a swift moment. And it's not just Adam and Eve, it's ourselves too. We all struggle and wrestle with these things. And it's not even just necessarily work-related. It's not necessarily science-related. It's not necessarily sustainability-related. It's us-related. It's faith-related. We wrestle with and struggle with these things that just cause us to fall. The Twitter question this week, I'm going to leave very vague. And if you want to leave a response this week, great. But I completely understand if you don't. The Twitter question this week will be reflecting on your own ethic, reflecting on your own foundations and your ethics, and have you been true to those? And I think there will all be times where we can say no, but lately have you been true to those? In what ways can you improve? So have you been true to your ethic? How have you been doing lately? What ways can you improve? What ways have you been falling short? It's like this massive scientific experiment that we're in and it's this thing called faith and we realize that there's times that we try things within our faith and we fail and there's things that gets really difficult because we watch it be successful for someone else and it just doesn't work for us but it gets back into what we've talked about before the different gifts and abilities that we've been given if we realize those gifts and abilities and realize the places where we are able to stay true to who God has made us to be, then we as a community can make better decisions. We as a community can make this place a place where we're focusing more on sustainability and ethics, being true to what we were told and commanded when it was laid out earlier in Genesis 2 to take care of this place, I would argue. We all wrestle with this stuff. And that's what makes the story of Christ and what he was able to do all the more remarkable. But I think also that when we are able to stare Satan and temptation in the face and say no, that verse 11 reminds us that we have support around us. The angels are there waiting and trying to support us and help us as long as we are willing and able to take the stand and have them continue to give us the nudge that we need to move in the right direction. Yes, there's going to be times we fall. There's going to be times we fail. But it's also realizing that we are continuing to strive to be better. Because if faith is this giant science experiment, then we have to continue testing things and continue to understand that when we fall down, how can we do a better job next time? How can we move forward with our experiment? The ethics of having strong ethics is important in a world in which there is so much that is telling us at times to do whatever it takes to get ahead. If that means hurting future prophets, so be it. But yet, we know in our heart of hearts, I would hope, 
that that's not the case. I would hope that we understand that having sustainable business models, not just eco-friendly, but sustainable business models for our own mental health, for our own physical health, for our own spiritual health, are vastly important. And without those, we are truly missing the boat. We're failing to be who God called us to be. And as Paul writes that we're not understanding the gift that we were given, being created in the image of God. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.